as though what really counted in the 60s and that everything else that's happened before, or indeed the things that happened, uh, I mean, everything that's happened subsequently, or indeed the things that happened before, were irrelevant, you know, and uh, as though this was like the golden age and nothing else really matters. And I don't believe this is, I, don't, I really don't believe that's true at all. Earbuds and earworms. I'm Amy. Um, I don't know what appeal is. <laughs> Shepherd and I'm Mitchell. Mass appeal, manly. Good job. That was off the top of your head. Yeah, that definitely was. Wow. That that's pretty. Yeah, not too bad. Well, it's much better than my attempt. I was gonna say "Panic on the Streets of London," like uh, which is a line from a Smith song. Which, oh, but I wouldn't have gotten it. Right. It's okay. <laughs> Mitchell Manley, "Panic on the, Panic in the Streets of London." It's like "Panic on the Peel." Right. "Panic on the Peel." I like that one. So this week we're talking about the Peel sessions. Yeah, Peel sessions. Yeah. So uh, I, I figured whenever we decided on this, uh, I think Jacques sent in. The request for this one, if I recall, mm-hmm. um, after we spoke about Peel Sessions recently. But the idea is that John Peel was this radio DJ on BBC Radio 1. Um, and on his show, he often broadcast like up-and-coming bands of nearly every genre. And they played live from Maidavell Studios in London. Uh, and he broadcast from 1967 until his death in 2004. And pretty much every act worth their salt from the early 70s to the early 2000s were featured on his show. He's one of the first DJs to play punk and other alternative styles of music on mainstream public radio. Uh, a very brilliant curator of like unique talent and just pulled from every genre, rock bands, punk bands, electronic music. He had metal bands and shoegaze, just like very eclectic tastes. And uh, he often featured bands well before they hit it big, like bands like Cream and Black Sabbath and also Nirvana, Joy Division, My Bloody Valentine, just literally hundreds more. So John Peel is definitely a personal hero of mine for his eclectic taste and his commitment to staying relevant and you know progressive and presenting new music to his listeners. So I'm super excited uh, to introduce the gigantic catalog of, of work collected for his radio show. Yeah, and also, isn't that what we're trying to do? Is to make sure that we always are listening to new things. Yeah, exactly. I want to so, hear new things, and yeah. you know, and and we're also very eclectic. So I think. Yeah. Uh, even though you didn't know who John Peel was until a week ago, <laughs> I know. Now you you know how uh, the the parallels that we have to this amazing man and his amazing show. Yeah, I was going through because you posted, or I guess I posted the list that you yeah. sent me of like all of these different bands that were on the show, and yeah. like it's I think it was a fully comprehensive because it even said how many times they showed up on yeah, the exactly. show, and I was just like. I was just scanning through there. I was like, I have no idea. So I actually start start at the back end because, you know, me, I normally would start at the top. So I was like, I'm going to start at the bottom. And then I saw like so I was like, oh, I know this. It's not all just like a 70s band. Like, yeah, I mean, there's definitely tons of just obscure stuff that no one's ever heard of. But I guarantee you, if you go and listen to that stuff, it's probably amazing. Oh, yeah. And, and plus, just like every other band that, that made it big at some point or made it even well-known in an in a underground scene all were on John Peel at some point, so. What did you bring this week? So I brought a band called Cloud Dead. 
and the song is called Jimmy Breeze 2. Wolfmask, you tucked your shirt and you said it's nice to look like you just stepped out of a movie. And sure, you look cinematic, silhouette on the edge of the roof of a car park under the orange sunset sky. With an empty sketch pad and a werewolf mask. We always meet too late after you done did it. Put cracks in concrete 50 feet from where I first saw you stand. Back up to the first, back at your flesh and your monster mask as I reach to touch your shoes, to track the trail of where you've been. <laughs> I wanted to start us off with something a little strange and outside of the box to illustrate the diversity that John Peel had on the show. Uh, Cloud Dead was this weirdo experimental hip hop group. Uh, one of the members goes by the alias Y, as in like W H Y question mark. Well, why not? Right, and so I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we've had any of Y's solo songs on the podcast yet, but I know we featured him twice. For work that he did with the rapper Serengeti, who's yes. come up several times on the podcast. Of course. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Cloud Dead, very strange and artsy group. They used a lot of really poetic and surrealist lyrical content. And their beats and their music were always very uh, ambient and spacey as opposed to being like hard and bumping like traditional hip hop. Uh, on their records, things got especially out there, like very heavily layered and edited into little vignettes and scenes on the album. Uh, but on their live performances, they stripped things down pretty significantly, and the three members uh, would play like drum machines and just cheap Casio <laughs> keyboards, just very stripped down. But they were a very brilliant band, very artistic stuff, uh, and I'm glad that they got to be on the Peel Show before John Peel died. Oh. Well, I have definitely never heard of this band before. Um, I love that the lyrics are somewhat like aggressively enunciated. Right, yeah, exactly. And Why is known for, for like enunciating his ver words very very particularly it's almost like its own type of like a beat like yeah, it's exactly a, yeah and it's like super staccato mm -hmm. with a lot of precision and even out uh, even without the accompaniment the way he's doing it makes it this like very driving um, it's very rhythmic right and we're not seeing that with like mm, the more popular mumble rap of right now the soundcloud rappers and yeah stuff. so we're not it's not that same type of yeah, you wouldn't yeah. be able to like pull the music away from from a lot of the modern stuff, and and it still have that beat to it, that umph. Yeah, it's, like it's, like this stuff would for yeah, sure. Yeah, like I'm doing a visual of like how beat driven it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're it, bouncing. You're giving yeah, it some bounce, but it's not really working. Um, <laughs> I also like. I'm wondering how often William Howard Taft gets like a shout out yep. in a hip hop song or Gold Leaf. Like you don't really yeah. just throw around. They don't gold talk about leaf. Gold Leaf very much. No, uh, he was a he was an art student in Cincinnati. And so, yeah, he was, he definitely had much experience with, with gold leaf. Yeah. And there's, there's just a lot of layers like lyrically to dig through and, um, music wise, even, I guess their other stuff is a little more. Yeah. It's all over the place. And, and they put out two full lengths. Uh, this is off the first full length that was like self-titled, just called cloud dead. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just tons of weird, strange, surreal hip hop just from outer space. They're amazing. Yeah, I, I thought it was really cool, like, the way that they built it. It's just really neat. Um, I went in a different direction. Yeah, you went um, in a great direction. 
I was scrolling through the list and I saw that Mo Tucker was on it and I brought her song Too Shy. When you walk yourself by all the ladies turn around they're giving you the eye they check you up and down oh me oh my why am I so shy oh me oh my woo you look so fine oh me oh my walking down knows I'm a big fan of Velvet Underground. Uh, I am not a huge music nerd, but if you can consider anything that I'm going to be a music nerd about, it's going to be the Velvet Underground. I have all of their like albums on, in record form. And I was absolutely shocked to see that Mo Tucker had solo music. Yeah, I had no idea either. Uh, because there's kind of like this very famous like concept about her that she... Uh, she I think the only time she sang on a Velvet Underground song was I'm Sticking With You. Yeah, which has been on the on the on podcast the before. Yeah, and she was super reluctant to do that because she didn't feel confident about her vocals or anything like that. So her making a solo like album like is absolutely amazing. Uh, this song, she does have much more vocal confidence than she did in the I'm Sticking With You song. But it's still just as sweet and shy as it's kind of implied, but with like this very solid kind of girl rocky kind of sound mm -hmm. and um it's just very precise and it's just like a genuine song it's very sweet it's like these are people emotions that really happen yeah, exactly not all of us are ballers when we're trying to pick up people yeah exactly i like i said i also had no idea that mo tucker had a solo career so i've learned something today uh, I definitely love the style and the charisma of this song. It's very driving and optimistic, uh, despite the theme of just like feeling too shy. Yeah. Uh, the recording is also very clean and clear. So I do think this one is a great reference point to remind our listeners that like Joe, though John Peel's show was often recorded ahead of time, the performances are tracked live to tape with little to no editing or post-production. And I point that out to highlight just like how incredible his engineers were to capture these bands with such clarity, but also how talented and fine-tuned a lot of these bands were playing these songs. So, you know, you would hear some of these recordings and think, oh, this was a, an album cut that they spent a lot of time on, but mm -hmm. this is one take and they slammed it, you know? Yeah, this is absolutely amazing because it does sound like this is off of a record. Yeah. Like somebody spent studio time in there and it's absolutely... It doesn't sound like you shoved a bunch of people into a recording studio. Right, exactly. Like for a radio show. It's out. Ah, it's just amazing. I, I can't believe it. <laughs> I just Mo Tucker solo. I had no idea. I wish we still had Mo Tucker around, though. Yeah, for sure. Dang. I'm sad now. Ear Buddies, I don't know if they knew about John Peel before. Or yeah, they... I knew that this one was going to be kind of a stretch, but <laughs> yeah. we did get... Just a few over what our minimum was going to be. Yay. And hopefully some people uh, learned a thing or two and learned what Peel Sessions were. Yeah, and if not, they can like... Yeah, go look at the list it. and just think of your f top five favorite bands. 
control F on the wiki list of yeah. John Peel sessions find and, and find them because I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure at least two of the five are there. And JoJo brought Billy Bragg's New England. I don't want to change the world. Billy Bragg's story about taking John Peel a curry, which I'm going to link to that into the show mm-hmm. notes. Um, here's a great recording that resulted from that meeting. As an aside, Amy, I want Bragg to do a cover of this Tornado Loves You episode number 17. It would work so, so well. It's a Nico Case song, I right? I love that song It's so a very much. good Nico Case song. I love it. Um, I think this would be a really good cover. Yeah. <laughs> should. First of all, I thought Billy Bragg was like a Southern comedian. <laughs> I don't know. It, so- it sounds like uh, what they would have named that little fish that sing, you know, yeah. you press the button and it sings a song. Yeah, it seems like that. So I didn't know what I was getting into at all. But this one is very sweet and it's very unexpected. And I'm glad that the Southern comedian of whatever my mind built is not is what not I this. listened to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Billy Bragg's music, it kind of lands somewhere between punk and like folksy singer songwriter he's a very politically minded dude and his music of course reflects that but he isn't as like snotty and on the nose as a punk band like the sex pistols <laughs> but his songs were more biting and aggressive than like the folk heroes like pete Seeger or woody guthrie so consequently billy bragg ends up finding that that neat niche between punk and like traditional protest songs and it's probably one of the pioneers of what n- now might be called folk punk. That's a thing. Yeah, folk punk's definitely a thing. It's basically when when crust punks stopped listening to fast, crusty, nasty punk. Instead, they just started hopping trains and playing accordions and, and violins and acoustic guitars on the train, and that became folk punk. And were they listening to Jack, uh, like reading Jack Kerouac to each yeah, other? Yeah, there's probably some of that a little <laughs> okay. bit. I feels like that would be... Jack Kerouac scene. Right. Yeah, the the album version of this song is just guitar and vocals as well, just like this is, but it does have some extra effects on the guitars and vocals and makes it a little fancier sounding than this one. But this Peel, uh, Peel Sessions version is much more stripped down and authentic. And I don't know, it's just pretty amazing how a single guitar and a single voice can inspire us more than a full band sometimes. You know, it's just like that that lone you know solitary voice screaming into the void <laughs> is like very inspirational i think well it's also kind of intimate too when exactly about it. it doesn't yeah. feel like a million people are inside the room with you yeah so now this next one it's gonna feel like a few people are in the room yeah uh matt brought napalm death the kill
go on about that last one. Ah, oh, pretty intense stuff. That comes from Napalm Death in session for the first time on the programme. The Kill, Prison Without Walls, and Dead. I think it's three songs. Yeah, it's three songs. And, uh, yeah, it's three songs that are, I don't know, they're very short. Mm-hmm. All their songs are very short. <laughs> they're very short and they're very fast and scary. <laughs> um, Matt says, pioneering grindcore band Napalm Death did multiple sessions with Mr. Peel. Here's the first from 1987. Uh, this is just like a big old swerve from the songs that were presented prior. Right. And it's very intense and noisy. No idea what the lyrics are, but they might be scary themed. I'm yeah, not there's sure. Some, there's some some intense lyrical themes in Napalm Death songs for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, the band name kind of tells me they might be a little hardcore. Yeah, this is definitely an obvious example of just how eclectic John Peel was and just how firmly his finger remained on the pulse of new and emerging bands and musical styles. Uh, as Matt mentioned, Napalm Death were pioneers of grindcore music, which is usually characterized by very fast, very aggressive guitars and drums and vocals that range from deep and guttural to shrill and shrieky. Uh, this session is from 1987, which is when Napalm Death had just released their first full-length album. Was it only 10 minutes long? It was not very long. I think it had 20... 20 something songs on it yeah and it was probably less than less than 20 minutes because i'm thinking like three songs got slammed down pretty quick yeah it <laughs> happened very fast yeah uh, i think all their songs are less than a minute so mm-hmm. uh you know this this type of music was so heavy and so extreme at the time it's hard to imagine any radio dj putting it on national radio but john peel was all about pushing boundaries and love presenting difficult and strange music to his listeners and allowed them to decide for themselves if it was something for them or not you know and in doing so, he, he kind of planted a flag firmly into a lot of the careers of these like burgeoning bands, essentially telling the world, here's something new and completely different. You heard it here, folks, you know, <laughs> yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, and it really was like, uh, even in the explanation that's included in this cut, like he's like, okay, well, we don't normally do it this way, but we're going to put three songs together. <laughs> yeah, see, I think, I think traditionally John Peel would have the band come in and do four songs, but since their songs were... <laughs> less than a minute a piece yeah i think the whole session was like six or nine songs and yeah, there's seven minutes yeah long. yeah <laughs> it was very 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 fast and intense i love it <laughs> debbie brings the smiths what difference does it make we have been says i've always enjoyed the swingier vision of what difference does it make oh smiths this is way more jaunty and swingy and rockabilly than i'm used to from them 
and uh, the guitars were doing like some really cool things under Morrissey. Like if you really listen, there's like a lot of really cool stuff. To yeah, do. Johnny Marr was a great guitar player. Yeah, I sadly don't know enough of the Smiths, and this should remind me that I need to look past my personal grievances uh, yeah. with Morrissey to listen to more of the Smiths because Morrissey just sometimes does not say the right thing. Yeah, he's a very contentious person, and I'm I'm in some Smiths Facebook groups where they just like post you know, uh, awful Smith's memes and stuff like that. <laughs> and the majority of them are making fun of that line between Morrissey as a human being and the music that he makes. And like, especially in this day and age, we're having to answer that question a lot of like, okay, is the art good enough? And are the acts mild enough <laughs> to, to, you know, be able to yeah, you know, have they reconcile not... this, this dis- disparate, you know. Yeah. It's I don't like know. how we're not supposed to like brand new now. So. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a tough call in some cases. Yeah. Morrissey is pretty bad, but I don't think he's too, you know, bad enough to to throw away the Smiths. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the Smiths and I also love this version of What Difference Does It Make? Uh, this track was released on their compilation album called Hat Full of Hollow and it had three other songs that appear from their John Peel show. Uh, and also had some other that were recorded on other shows for BBC Radio 1 as well. Uh, they're all incredible versions of the songs, and especially this one is just so much more driving and powerful sounding than the version on their self-titled album. Uh, there's another Smith song called Reel Around the Fountain that was recorded for John Peel's show and released on the same record. Uh, and it's also just an upper-level version of the original. Uh, it's another great example of how a band's songs and style grows throughout their career, and they use these sessions to shed a subtle and unique new light on the songs from earlier in their career. And also, I guess, pl- probably playing them live, you get to change stuff. Yeah, exactly. So. You, you know, this was on their first record, I think, and so they, they'd they had a little bit of time to play around with it and really uh, whittle it down to what sounds cool and what sounds best. Mm-hmm. Jacques brought the Comset Angels Home is the Rain. that Angels Peel sessions were incredible. I thought I was expecting something a little more folksier with a song entitled Home is the Range, but this one is neat and so well-timed, and there's like this smattering of weird sound experimentation, but there's like this focus on the musicality that really shows through in this. I don't know why. Comsat sounds like it would be like an old Western. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I suppose. I, I think know. it's short for communication satellites. Well, I'm sure they have some of those out, sure. in out, out, in, out in the old west. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Comsat Angels is a band that I've only heard from Jacques, and I remember he mentioned them on our self promotion episode as one of the disparate influences for his band, The Family Ghost. 
they play a really unique brand of post-punk that's gritty and dark, but somehow manages to capture some poppy sensibilities amidst the tension that they're building. Uh, I think I even read that one reviewer called them the band that Joy Division should have been, <laughs> which is pretty huge praise, I think. Yeah. Uh, this song, Home is the Range, it's kind of joyously brooding and has has that cool like ace tone keyboard sound that kind of pops in occasionally. It's often featured in like 60s pop songs. It's a very mm-hmm. upbeat, sock hoppy sounding keyboard. And it makes a super cool contrast to like the darker aesthetic that they capture with their songwriting and the use of the noisy and atmospheric elements. Yeah. Really unique band. I like the CompSat Angels now, so thank you, Jacques, for bringing them into my into my headspace. And the next one is Brian V, who brought Aphex Twins' Untitled One. says anything Aphex Twin puts out is amazing and innovative. I've heard of Aphex Twin and this song really tells me that I should be listening to more of their music. Uh, There's this like bird singing thing. I don't know if it's a real bird or not. I don't know if it's like found audio or something. I don't know. But it's like also you got your bird singing but then you're definitely playing a video game and it's in like the dungeon but not like the boss fight. Um, It is like level two (laughs) Castlevania. Yeah. It, it's a fun instrumental journey that I, um, I'm i glad to have experienced because f- for some reason, whoever I heard about Aphex Twin from was really into the Mars Volta. And so mm-hmm. I just thought they were similar bands and they're yeah, not. They're not similar <laughs> bands, but I think they have, um, there's a similarity in their goal, I think, which is to just make this weird outer limb music. Yeah. You know, just, I don't know. This uh, isn't at all like Mars Volta. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, Brian's definitely correct that Aphex Twin is always amazing and innovative. Uh, in this case, our listeners are probably lucky that the music is vaguely enjoyable and listenable. <laughs> oh, I thought they're a, all of it. Because a large swath of, of Aphex Twin's discography got very abrasive and kind of transgressive musically there for a little while. But the first part of his career is all really ambient weirdness, which is all kind of cool. But he did get kind of weird there after a while. Um, the guy behind Aphex Twin is a guy named Richard D. James. He's a brilliant musician and producer and was basically at the forefront of like pushing electronic music and what could be done with sequencers and computers and synthesizers. I think I read that as an 11 year old kid, he won a competition for getting sounds out of this early, like handheld word (laughs) processor, which was like other, otherwise not supposed to produce any kind of sound at all, but he like programmed it to, you know, to do some sort of weird process that would make sounds. Uh, so yeah, his passion for like exploring in electronic music is probably at the core of pretty much every electronic musician playing today, be it synth pop or dubstep or ambient electronic Richard D. James experimentations and compositions probably explored the territory first. Uh, once again, to John Peel's credit, 
he had a knack for finding the artists who were breaking the mold and defying those genres to create something new and exciting and showing them to the world, planting that flag uh, that his guests were going to be something very special. You yeah. Know? Wait, so there, all of their music's not this like calm? Not all show. of it, but he's also one of the most prolific uh, producers out there. Like, I think he probably has 30 albums or something like that. Uh, uh between Aphex Twin, uh, he released it, stuff under the name Richard D. James, and he has like two or three other aliases. Between all that, I'd say he probably has about 30 albums of music, and I'd say about 10 of those albums are, are pleasant to listen to, <laughs> and the rest of them are good to listen to, but they're a bit more challenging. So, that's one of those things that you need to uh, probably. Take a few minutes to like breathe before. Well, yeah, just just start with this whole peel sessions because I think it's all mostly that that more ambient stuff. Just listen to this whole peel sessions, mm-hmm. and then if you like that, then you know crank it up a little bit from from four to six, <laughs> and see if you like some of the other Aphex Twin stuff as much. Okay, well, I I, I like to try the so called harder to listen to stuff. Cause yeah, I think you'll I think you'll like some of it actually. I'm actually starting to like more metal. Yeah, I mean Since, that's that's great. We're uh, we're exposing you to some new things, I'm, and I'm we're showing you that there is such thing as good and enjoyable metal to listen to. Yeah. Um, final ear buddy is Jack, who brought New Order's Truth. Well, my time so slowly. Not NWA. Nope, it's not. <laughs> this is a super chill song with like a nifty little grouped beat, like a thing going on. Uh, there is so much breathing room in there, and it's just super somber and contemplative. It's just really enjoyable. It's a song, but it's not by a hip hop group, right? And um, I don't know. Like they're obviously, it's just not smattered with a ton of lyrics, so it's it's really cool. I did tell Dakota I was listening to NWA and unplugged the uh, headphone jack, right. and he's like looked at me. He's like, "Yeah," and it's now become this running gag. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For for those who don't know, and perhaps to continue to clarify for Amy, uh, New Order was formed by the members of Joy Division after the suicide of their singer Ian Curtis. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Order was known to be at the forefront of like incorporating electronic elements into like a moody post punk. And throughout their career, they ran the gamut from dark and brooding to poppy and lighthearted. Uh, I think Jacques also submitted some new order for this episode and pointed out that they played several songs and covers that didn't appear on any of their albums and were otherwise like rarely played live. Uh, although this song, Truth, was released on a studio album, 
this performance predated the album version by about a year. So yet another example of a band taking chances on John Peel's show and thinking progressively and sort of outside the normal bounds of radio, playing something that they hadn't released on a full-length record yet. They're like, here's one you hadn't heard and you're not going to hear. <laughs> yeah. And it's also a, a slightly different version than the album version, of yeah. course. And it's 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 kind of mind blowing because there's no way for us to listen to all of John Peel's stuff. I oh, mean, yeah. not realistically, because you know you can listen to um, you know podcasts. You can listen to them and you can go back however mm-hmm. many years they have them. And currently, I'm in the middle of a Sawbones binge right, sure. as I do. But um, that th- he's got like over thirty years. Yeah, exactly. It's thirty years worth of shows that happened more than once a week. I think, you know, a couple times a week he had he had these bands come in. So, yeah, I mean, it's I'm wanting to say that list had something like 4000 names on it. That yeah. may be so, overshooting it by a little bit, but not by much if it is because there's just so like I said 30 years of, of work. Yeah. And just all of it is incredible. Like I said just go go look at the list. Just type in Peel Sessions into Google. Find the list of all the Peel Sessions mm-hmm. and whatever your favorite bands are, just Control F, search for them, because yeah. I guarantee you at least two of them did it. Like, or just start in some random like alphabet. Yeah, part just pick and just... pick a letter and scroll through. You'll find so much cool stuff. Yeah, and stuff you've never even heard of. Yeah, exactly. Like I made, I started making a whole like like playlist of them. Yeah, it's like this band sounds cool. That sounds like, like a cool band. Here's name. my list. I had a long list before. I was like, oh, Mo Tucker's on here. Yeah. So, uh, it it's kind of mind blowing. And also, I learned that she had a solo career. So mm-hmm. yeah. It's just absolutely amazing. Now, where can we tweet at you? Tweet me at Pow I Gotcha. And I'm at Madam Woolite, and the show is at END Pod on the Twitter. If you really want to delve in, now we didn't feature nearly all of the songs that we got because we had a few people post a few. Yeah. And like some of these, because we we're having to pare down, like these were whole sessions, not yeah, just. Yeah, some of them, yeah. Yeah, not just like the one song that we have. Right. Like there's 20 minute shows going on. So if you want to check out some of that, that's also in the Earbuds and Earworms podcast group on Facebook. So you can see the discussion that's happening over there. It's really cool. And you can always send us a voicemail at 731-400-BUDS or 731-400-2837. And you can always email the show like Jacques did. And that is at endpod at gmail.com. And you can find the show on the interwebs at endpod.com, part of the 10710 Network. What's the final song? So I'm going to leave us with one of my favorite bands, Low. And Wait, co- you, you really like Low? I love that band. I had no idea. Yeah, I think I've <laughs> spoken of them a time or two. Maybe. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to leave leave us with their cover of an early Pink Floyd song called Fearless. Uh, Low's Peel Sessions, one of my absolute favorites. Uh, I, I actually have a Low DVD that briefly features them in studio recording this session. And at that same time, Napalm Death who we heard earlier, they were at the BBC studios preparing for an interview for a different show. And the producers of that low DVD, like interviewed the members of low and the members of napalm death at Peel studio. And they discussed the idea that I mentioned in the punk episode, uh, recently where as music was evolving, you know, punk music got heavier and faster and louder and napalm death were the logical conclusion of just how fast and how heavy that music would eventually get. And low at the completely opposite end of the spectrum, they were deciding to be quieter and, you know, more minimal and, and more dynamic. And that really subverted and, and took punk into an equally logical conclusion, but in a polar opposite direction. So uh, this particular song may or may not necessarily illustrate that dichotomy. 
but it's cover of a really great Pink Floyd song that uh, is often overlooked. So this is Fearless, a Pink Floyd cover by the band Low. So 
I can hear my child bride, uh, bride shrieking there. That was uh, low.